0: And what's good, yo? What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Amatalki TIS Podcast with your host, yours truly, Jai Shields here on the 12th of December, Saturday, the year 2020. Got a good show for you this weekend. Recap Patriots and Rams here at the top. Uh, special guest, uh, Colin Russo, he, the uh, middle son of the great sports talk radio legend Christopher Mad Dog Russo, will join us later in the program along with Week 14 uh, Preview and Picks Against the Spread. Uh, nice to have you with us, and uh, let's jump right into it. As the uh, Rams defeated the uh, the New England Patriots on Thursday night by the final score of 24-3, to uh, the I'll go with I'll do the Patriots first, then I'll get to the Rams. Take a break, then away we go. The New England Patriots, ladies and gentlemen, are finished. Uh, they're they're done. They're finished. They're six and seven. They're cooked. This is the first time since two thousand and two, the year after they won Super Bowl thirty six, where they will not win a ten game. where uh they will not win or ex- uh, check that uh two thousand and eight. I think was the last time they win a season without winning 10 games and prior to 2008, 2002 also was the other more was the other recent time where they will finish a season with, uh, with less than 10 wins. The Patriots had six and seven best they can finish if they win the last three in a row is finish a nine and seven, uh, they smacked the Chargers uh, six days ago. Stayed and because they had a back-to-back in two games within five days of each other, they stayed in L.A. for the entire week. So if you could argue that they had the advantage because they've been in one location for you know for the whole time and playing two games back-to-back in the same stadium, but you know, that's not the case. Cam Newton, you know, and which stinks because it looks like that Cam was going to come back better than ever. He had a decent game in the opener at home against Miami. He looked like his 2015 NFL MVP self, though in a loss against the Seahawks on that Sunday night game in week two. Gets uh, And then the Saturday before their game against the Chiefs, it comes down that, he's, that he caught coronavirus, and he essentially hasn't been the same player since. Uh, he has not thrown the football real well. He was not nine of sixteen, 119 yards passing through an interception. He has not he has not been this. He's he has his arm his shoulder is shot. He cannot throw the football as well as he used to. Uh, didn't run the football very well on Thursday night either. Seven carries, 16 yards. Uh, then rush for a touchdown, of course, because the Patriots put up three points. It's just the Patriot offense is just, it is not, they're not very good. And, you know, I read a tweet on social media a couple of days ago, and there's a lot of uh, truth to it. You know, the G- Bill Belichick, the GM, has caught up to Bill Belichick, the coach, because for all of Bill Belichick's greatness and his witty and his ability to find a needle in a haystack and diamonds in the rough and and, you know, taking lemons and making lemonade with him. Uh, For all of his greatness and credit, and he's the best, he's the greatest coach this league's ever seen, all of that, but he, but now that, you know, that time has passed and Brady's now gone to Tampa, you can see that this offense is is dead. Running, the running, they their running game is very, their running game, even though they ran for 170 yards total, uh, Hundred and seven yards total in the game. It's not very good. Their receivers. They have no receivers. Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, Dominique Bird. You know, Damian. I mean, they got nobody. Nobody as wide. No wide. They have no wide receivers whatsoever. You know, the, the wide receivers at the Patriots draft. Odds are they don't stay on the team. A year or two later, after they've been drafted, they don't draft wide receivers real well. And again, no one's going to get on Belichick because you know nine Super Bowl appearances, six rings. You know, no one's going to get on them for that. And what it's, uh, since two thousand and what eleven straight seasons of winning a div- of winning a division? I mean, that's that's it's hard to do. And many of playoff appearances and many of a f c championship game appearances you know losing to Denver in two thousand thirteen and two thousand uh Fifteen losing to the Ravens in two thousand and twelve in that AFC Championship game. So no one's going to say boo, and nor one should jump all over Belichick and jump on the Patriots because six Super Bowl championships in a in a twenty uh, year period is something to be proud of. You know they won they won the three back in uh, they won the three back in the uh, early two thousands, and then they won the th- and then they won another three. In the uh, mid to mid to late two thousand ten so no one can say boo. But the Patriots, the Patriots are finished. You know, Stidham, is, Stidham, doesn't like he's that much better of a quarterback either. We all know what we get, what we, uh, what you're going to get with Brian Hoyer. He stinks. The, the Patriots are dead, and uh, and you know, a part of me is glad because you don't have to worry about the Patriots and the playoffs and the. But you know the thing that made the Patriots so like hateable and easy to root against them is because you had Tom Brady on the team. You take Tom Brady off of the off of the Patriots, that you don't, and you, and you especially you put a guy that's likable and's got a personality and is and you know trying to rebound his career himself and Cam Newton it's hard for you to dislike the Patriots. And, you know, the one year that I would have liked to see New England go to the playoffs and, dare I say, make a Super Bowl run, they don't do it. And uh, and the reason why, you know, Tom Brady isn't there. Uh, so the New England Patriots of the 2020 uh, season, they're done. They're finished. They're dead. Two and five on the road away from Gillette Stadium. Six and seven on the year, they're finished. As far as the Los Angeles Rams are concerned, uh, I'm not gonna wax poetic and make uh, make our pal Mike and Orange uh, County uh, ears water by waxing poetic about Jared Goff, who I think is a very average quarterback at best, overpaid average quarterback. I understand the Saints game 20, uh, It's two years ago. I mean, what what have you done for me? I mean, when Fox picks up a graphic. Fox puts up a graphic that you're in the same company as famous Jameis in the turnover factory and Carson Wentz as the most, you know, producing the most turnovers since 2017. That's not a uh, that's not a um, it's not a class that you want to be uh, associated with. And let's keep in mind, before Sean McVay got to uh, got to Los Angeles, Jared Goff struggled with the forward pass. He was awful awful under Jerry, under uh Jeff Fisher awful so this relies more on this win is about Sean McVay rebounding from his mistakes that he made when he essentially uh kissed the baby with the uh, belt check in New England in the Super Bowl 2 years ago and spit up the joint and embarrassed himself it looks like he learned his lesson 2 years later Granted, this is nowhere near the exact same Patriots team but it looks like he learned his lesson the second time around uh, and put the fork through the New England Patriots, something that he failed to do in the Super Bowl two years ago. I'm not going to wax poetic about golf. His numbers, non, not impressive. 16 for 25, 137 yards passing. A and interception is not exactly a Kurt Warner greatest show on turf circa 1999 under any circumstances. This is about the this is about the phenomenal defense of the Los Angeles Rams. The great pass rush that they have. Aaron Donald, who's an all-pro, and Cam Akers, who ran rampant all over the Patriot defense all night long. 29 carries, 171 yards rushing. Uh, what a night he had. What a night. This was about Cam Akers, McVay, and the defense. Jared Goff, average. Average at best, and the only reason why he is average and getting paid the money that he is is because of his coach. Because you go back and watch, look at his tape under Jeff Fisher, he was not bad. He was horrendous at the quarterback position under Jeff Fisher. McVay came and he and he and he revamped golf, so to speak. But for McVay, golf. You can make the argument was probably one of the worst quarterbacks in all of football. And if you don't believe me, look at the tape. He was no Kurt Warner under any, any circumstances, any. And the Rams needed that win to keep pace with Seattle, who they play in a couple weeks. They're nine and four on the season, currently first day in the NFC West. If Seattle beats the Jets, which they should, they'll still be in first place via tiebreaker because they beat Seattle earlier back in November. Um they've won they've won uh, four out of their la- four out of their last five games. Again, somehow, some way they cannot beat the forty ers uh, they lost the game at home that they shouldn't have against the 49ers. They got the Jets on the twentieth, the Sunday before Christmas, which will be an easy pickings. Uh game that will decide the division. On December twenty seventh, against the against the Seahawks, uh, the last Sunday of the year, Week sixteen, and then they play the Cardinals on January third. So, it's uh, Rams have a good chance to win a division. I don't think that they're uh, they're not better than New Orleans. They're not better than Green Bay because Green Bay and New Orleans have a much better have their quarterbacks are worlds better than Golf is. Um, the Saints' defense is up there with the with the Rams, though. They see their Saints' defense is very good, um, and also the, another thing that the Saints have that the Rams don't on offense is playmakers: Kamara, Michael Thomas, playmakers. Rams, they're you know they change their formula from you know the running you know with the running gun and high flying, high powered offense with Gurley and and uh, and, and Brandon Cooks and. And Robert and Robert Woods and all that. To now is if they win games the old fashioned way, ground and pound, run the football effectively, uh, use up plenty of clock, juice up the to, juice the time of possession, and go out there and play defense. So, and I think in the long run, to make a playoff push. You're going to have to, and you're going to be put in situations because, again, golf is not Kurt Warner. You're going to be put in situations where you have to let the ball fly, take some chances, and you're going to wish you had uh, that big-time A-list playmaker a la the Saints have and the Packers and uh, Aaron Jones and and uh, Devontae Adams. So they're up there. They, it would not shock me if they win the division, but I do not see them as a Super Bowl team under, not in my eyes. I don't see him as a Super Bowl team. Granted, the Packers defense stinks, but the guy Aaron Rodgers, who I would trust in a big game, far more than Goff. I understand Goff's made it to the Super Bowl more recently than, than Rodgers has, and, but Goff's stunk in that Super Bowl, and I understand he's made it to the Super Bowl more recently than Aaron Rodgers has, but let's call it like we see it. Game, game for your life. You want Goff behind center or... Aaron Rodgers. You answer that question um objectively without a shadow of a doubt you're taking Aaron Rodgers. Take a break. Colin Russo will join us after the break, coming up right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Joining me now is a uh, son of a Sports Talk Radio legend who I had on the program, if you all remember the 17 out there that listen to this dopey show, uh, had on back in, uh, back in the month of August. He is his second of three sons and honestly has a future in Sports Talk Radio after hearing him uh, on his father's program back on uh, Monday afternoon. University of Wisconsin freshman and coronavirus survivor, believe it or not, the one and only Colin Russo. Colin, how are you today, pal,
1: okay? I'm doing just fine, Jai. Thanks for having me on.
0: Anytime, man, anytime. Let's jump right into it. What is it like, just rip off the Band-Aid right off the bat, what is it like, give me an in-depth look at what life is like being Christopher Mad Dog Russo's son, one of three.
1: Well the thing is like how growing up, this is all I've known, like him doing what he does and every sporting event, you know, having people talk to him about this. And I, I didn't really like process the fact that he was as successful as he was and as, as good as he was at what he does until I was probably like 10 or 11. But I mean, it's for me, he groomed me to be a sports fan, a big sports fan at that. And Whether he did what he did, if he didn't do it, I don't know if that would have happened. But, uh, I mean, me and him, we kind of just click with the sports. And that's something that we connect over. That's something that I've grown up with. And it's something that just, like, it comes naturally, like, to me and him being sports fans. And, like, it's big because he is one of those guys who, like, he's so infectious about it and he's so enthusiastic about it. And Mm -hmm. all of of that passion kind of rubs off. And that's something that's been awesome to grow up around and see firsthand and see right next to me, you know, and right. I, I, it's, I'm really lucky to have, to have a dad like that. That's so infectious about what he does and so passionate and is so willing to share it with other people as he does when he works. And, uh, it's, it's, it's truly, it's truly amazing to have that.
0: Now your dad. Now we're the same age. I'm eighteen. You're what month were you born in, Colin?
1: I was born in April of '02, so I'm turning nineteen in uh, five six months.
0: Gotcha. So you were born a month April when? Eighteen. Gotcha. You were born April 18th. I was born a month and eleven days later, May the 29th. So you're older than bad. me by a month and some change. But we're we're the same age, both college students. Now, with me, my dad was my dad was young when I was born. He was 24 years of age when I was born. Meanwhile, your father was well into what is was in his 40s when he was born. Now did his age, and I know with me, my dad, because he, because I was a little kid and he was still relatively young. I mean, he's young. He still is young now, but, you know, being 20, being in his 20s and 30s, he, he had tons of energy when I was a little kid, you know, playing t-ball and football and what it was uh, is, was your dad like that when you were growing up? Was it because was that the way he was as a father or could he, wished to have been more active as far as in doing those little intricacies with playing sports out in the yard but he couldn't because he because he's because he's a lot he was a lot older when you were born compared to my father who was in his still in like the quote-unquote prime of his life
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I wouldn't say that I mean it's one of those things where I mean I can still he's into his 60s and he's still active he still plays tennis frequently he runs you know he's an active person and he's always been like that and as for like me growing up and he's well into his 40s into his 50s whatever i grew up playing basketball he was never really a basketball player but my brother my brother was my brother was my older brother Mm -hmm. so that kind of helped in the fact that i mean he was into it and he he did it with us but i mean i'm not gonna say like he was out there competing with us because he's a, he's, he's a tennis guy. He's a golf guy. I mean, everybody has their own thing. I mean, I grew up playing basketball. Mm-hmm. I try, I dip my feet in other sports, but uh basketball was really my thing. And, and the fact that my brother did it was really, that was really helpful in that regard. And I mean, like, sure. Like he was into his forties and fifties, but I, I don't think he missed a beat as in terms of like hands-on stuff. And he, I mean, as a 40, 50 year old, he, I consider him a, pretty active 40 and 50 year old at that time and can still is. So right. I definitely and he's obviously he has plenty of energy. It's not like he's slowing down as anybody as right. anybody listens to the show can probably hear like he's still into it. He still likes staying active. He he cannot sit still. He loves staying active, doing stuff uh whether it's playing sports, doing something, always wants to keep his hands and feet moving and mm-hmm that's just something that's just carried with him and he hasn't necessarily lost yet. So, I mean, growing up, I mean, I wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't call it like a, I missed opportunity that he wasn't younger. I don't think that gets in the way at all. I think it's very, uh, I think he was a, set up his, I mean, he had to kind of get married after he set up his career, you know, in sports talk, you kind of, you kind of go with where your career is, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and so it's not like he could carry a girl with him when he's 26, 27, trying to, Jump, bounce around in Jacksonville, Florida. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, so by the time he had kids, obviously, it. I don't think it got in the way in terms of growing up with him, and yes. uh, especially the fact that I had um my older brother, so that I think helped more. And I mean, I played plenty. It was a lot of team oriented stuff, so I'm not gonna say like I missed out on anything because I didn't. That's not the case. Uh, he mm-hmm. was active and he still is so hands-on with everything that I did growing up playing sports, so I didn't think he got in the way at all.
0: Gotcha. Uh, and I, just, you know, I think about that because he says that all the time. He, Because, you know, I want to go in. I want to, you know, do the same thing he's doing, being into uh, sports talk radio and sports casting and everything else. And he was like, Najai, you know, when you're 23 years of age, you can't be bouncing around America trying to establish yourself <laughs> with uh, with a girlfriend and with a wife and children, you, you can't do that. And if you mm-hmm. want to be successful, you got to get your career, get yourself organized. Got to get your career together first, <laughs> then you can sit there and have the wife and kids. Now, my dad, of course, he he didn't go into sports talk radio. He, matter of fact, had and that had a motorcycle accident which nearly killed him. And you know, when you oh. go through that sort of experience, where where you're literally on death's door and you, by the grace of God, survive something like that, you tend to look at life a little bit more differently. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I'm, I'm, I know I'm in my early twenties, but I, I ain't risking anything again. on am to give my wife and again, yeah. have kids early. So God forbid, if I do end up passing away, at least, you know, I give, I, I, um, you know, What's the word I'm looking for gave
1: gave something into it, you know? Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pass pass along my genes to the future generation. I couldn't find the words. Mm. Well, what's life? What's life like in that household? New Canada, Connecticut. You got well, before you left off the college, you was you, your older brother, Timmy. You have another brother, I believe, Patrick, and then you have your eldest sister, Kira. What's it? And then plus your mother, and I think you have three dogs, and of course the dog himself and the great Chris Russo. What is life like in that household on a day in day out basis?
1: Well, hey, let's we could answer that in two parts. So, I mean, in a normal in a normal year when this isn't a big deal, I think a lot of people are bouncing around. I mean, now we got three kids in college. My sister. Mm-hmm. Named uh, my older brother Timmy's at Tampa, so everybody kind of is. And now I'm at Wisconsin, so now you got three kids at college. But I mean, in a normal year, let's say I was in high school with my younger brother, uh, I mean it's kind of just like an everyday thing. I mean everybody likes to stay active, everybody likes moving around, doing stuff. Everybody does their own thing. Everybody kind of does things together though, uh, especially like my dad and I. My dad and I really watched the, especially through high school. All we did we watched the, the sports together every night, whether it's. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs, whatever. That's like that kind of thing we did. We had that one spot where we watched all the games. NFL, we watched separately because we have different interests. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, in growing up, like going day to day, everybody kind of does their own thing. I mean, when I have sports going on, he's very wrapped up in that. We get very, very wrapped up in the schedules and the standing. That's what, <laughs> that was really fun, what we did. <laughs> and um, it's sort of one of those things where it's – I mean, I can't call it normal. I don't know what to compare it to. But it's it's something that, like, you get used to. And it's, I don't know, it's it's normalcy. That's that's what it is. It's what you're used to. It's how, uh, with my older brother, my older brother's also a big Pelican fan. Uh, he's more of an NBA guy than he is an NFL guy. But uh, he watches a lot of the NBA. He gets into it. But, obviously, he's at school a lot of the time. But, I mean, growing up. And then you could jump to... The coronavirus times, we were all here. We were all here. There's no sports on. We were all in the house. Everybody was back for like a six-month period. And it's that was a weird, weird thing. Like what my dad did and I did in the early parts of, and my older brother, in the early parts of quarantine is we went on YouTube and watched old games. We, watched, we went through the NBA playoffs in the 70s and the 80s. They're, they got full broadcast. So that's what we did. We did that daily for a good month. Uh, we did a lot of uh, the Celtics, we did a lot of the Bulls, uh, we did a lot of the, I mean, teams like the Rockets in the 80s, we did um teams like the Sixers in 83, we watched a lot of fun things like that, that's kind of what we did during coronavirus times, because like, there's not a lot to do, you either watch a movie, or we watch a game, you know, so, I mean, that was really what our, our schedule was in the coronavirus times, but normally, like, everybody does their own thing, everybody has their own schedule, everybody has their own interests, but we all still do things together, especially my dad and
0: I. Right uh what what was it like during coronavirus time with with the uh with dinner how how did how did that go over (laughs) with with dinner and breakfast and meals and all that sort of stuff well I mean
1: dinner's the one that everybody has together I think breakfast everybody kind of gets on their own schedule for breakfast uh and then as for lunch we kind of we sometimes uh coordinate lunch uh but for dinner I mean everybody's there and I mean it's one of those things where Every We kind of have a conversation whether it's regard to sports, usually with my dad and I. Sometimes it's about stories. About he likes to talk about his guests for the day. He gets into that. He gets into, uh, reiterates stories he hears on air. Uh, that's a big Tom co- co- topic of conversation. Excuse me, and it's one of those things where like, I mean, he like when we're at dinner, like I mean, I wouldn't say we argue all the time. We when we do, we kind of mm-hmm. like my mom steps in. It's like both of you shut up, like. We, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't need to hear this like, like so i don't really think it gets into that but you sometimes we really if we we're going to argue about something it would kind of just be us two and mm. my mom just wants nothing to do with it and but as for dinner i mean like the dinner it was weird because everybody was back and we have dinner every night together like that usually doesn't happen especially in a normal year everybody kind of comes on on their own schedule especially if my dad's in the city if uh, i'm in the sports like i'm playing sports like you kind of things get happen and get in the way you can't really coordinate but mm-hmm. since everybody was back it was cool to do that and I mean I wouldn't say it's as like confrontational maybe as one might think but we some we definitely that's like sports are the main thing we talk about but I mean it kind of it bounced around I got you
0: I mean because I've, I've heard like stories of like God you know Chick and Evan for example you know on that Sunday morning like mm-hmm. I remember they had you on one time is like like in Bab Chick, like, is everything in your house like a talk show? Like, when it comes at dinner time, what the catch was like, you can't have ketchup, what do you need ketchup for? <laughs> so, like, I, so, like, I just envision your mother telling you, like, well, you, I'm not, this is not, this is not Mad Dog on Leash. be <laughs> quiet and eat your food. Yeah, it's like, I, I can could, I could imagine, yeah, that. it's
1: especially, especially because he was doing the show from home too, so you could kind of, like, especially from my mom's perspective, she could hear him. Do the high heat from inside in the in the basement he could he it, the echo radiates throughout the house and then he could do it from upstairs he does mad dog on unleashed on and then he does that for three hours and then after that he comes down and then uh he's either into a guest or whatever and it sometimes my mom's just like please like go find something to do like get a get a puzzle or something i don't know and that was something that like was big especially because everybody was here it's not like he has mm-hmm. his own commuting schedule, and he's in the city or anything. So he's here, and he's just—he was itching to do something because you know he got out of his schedule. So as for him, at, at least he's always got to stay moving, always got to keep doing. Something, yeah. You know? Yeah,
0: he—I know he misses—he misses that travel into New York City, and mm-hmm. like for the first two, three months of quarantine, all he's, all he was doing, he was just locked in with those puzzles. Yep. Another, another thing that, and I've been giving your dad grief with this for the longest time. Does he does he jam that Laurel Canyon music down your throat like he has with mine? I mean, I'm like, I'm like, dog, enough, will you please just let it go? I mean, if you if you weren't into it back then, why are you getting into it now? Like, gee, like, well, like, would it kill you to put on a Beyonce song or something (laughs) from James Brown? I'm like, my goodness gracious, dog, like get off the does he jam that music down your throat and do you like it is is, is more more important
1: well part of his obsession about it is because he he was a little late to that era he was born in 59 and like that 60s early 70s era like he was kind of too young for and it's one of those things because especially when this came out it's only like a two-part thing it's like two hours two and a half hours something like that and he was so into it i swear he was watching it every night because he always wanted somebody to watch it and if somebody was watching, somebody, like, I don't know. Like, if somebody was watching it, he always made sure he rewatched it. He wanted to show each and every one of the kids separately. And he mm-hmm. it was one of those things. Yeah, he's completely jammed it down our throats. And, like, he continued to continue watching. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's watched it probably, I'd say, probably 25, 30 times easy. And I'm like, it's a, mm. it's a two, three hours documentary. And it's, I mean, it's good. I thought it was good. I've probably seen it twice fully through i've seen bits and pieces each time and i mean it, the music as for the music i mean he likes to play it i think the music's fine i have no problem with the music i actually like some songs are good some songs are not as good i mean i tell him which ones are good and which ones are not because he's always asking for your opinion he's like do you like this song do you like this song Do you like this song uh and he's like listen to this listen to this one listen to this one great song great song great song I'm like, Oh, okay thank you and, uh that's one of his things he always asks for like the your opinion on it, man. and like I guess that's like the, the interviewer and him coming out. He always wants to get other people's thoughts on what they think, and like he always watches it. and He gets so into it. He gets so into it. And I don't I don't know why. It's the strangest strangest obsession. But I mean, he I'd still I still thinks he's died down from it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he always comes back to it every few weeks and watches it again. But I think the, those first two months when it came out, oh, he was all over it, and it was it was a lot. It was a lot. But I mean, he made sure he made sure that to tell people how much he enjoyed it. I'm sure you heard it on air too. We talked about it on air all the time. He always had a ton of guests on about it. So it's one of those things where it's like, that's enough. Like <laughs> we, we got, we got the gist, but that was funny. That was, yeah. that was a funny portion.
0: Yeah. It's just on and on and on. And then, and then, you know, and then just the mess with them uh, back. I think it was, i think it was last friday of october i texted him I'm like this is johnny mitchell i'm like dog beyonce is worlds better than johnny mitchell and then he <laughs> called me out on air he was like he's like do me a favor don't let anyone else hear you say johnny mitchell changed the music i'm like dog like do you know how many musicians today that are like on top <laughs> of the world that have been influenced by Beyonce. I mean, you want me to, you want me to call the names Ariana Grande? You want me to start calling the names? It's uh, like, don't right, right, let anyone yeah, say yeah.
1: That. It's all about it's all like, about the, each generation. I mean, like he 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 is so biased towards that 60s and 70s generation. And, and I sure you could call them pioneers, but it's a generation of music. I mean, like they didn't influence what Beyonce is doing. It's like everybody yeah. in their own era. It's not like music really does that. I mean, there's been some. Great bands that really kind of changed the game that's true, but I mean, I would say like it's really kind of separated within the era. I mean like the hip hop era is different than what uh, the the hippie era in Laurel Canyon, so I think they didn't really like interfere with each other, but I don't know he, he's very, very biased with with how much influence they they had and everything i mean woodstock there's never there's never been anything like Woodstock. I would obviously admit that, but I'm just saying that that's part of the era that's kind of the idea of that.
0: Right. I mean, th- there's so many, uh, I'm dog, you have to expand your mind, expand, expand your mind. You know, 50 years from now, we're going to be talking about Beyonce, this Beyonce, that Joni Mitchell, Laurel Canyon, Woodstock is going to be what Beethoven is to us. I mean, <laughs> come on, let's, let's, let's wake up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, what athletes and or celebrities have you met because of your father's uh, job?
1: Uh, I mean, so... Sometimes we like the, I I'd say the biggest one that I met I was in fifth or fourth or fifth grade uh, was probably Shaquille O'Neal he was on a serious station he was not on with my dad he was not on with him and I remember he was doing something some sort of interview and I went in with the station to the station with him and I met him and he was the nicest guy that was awesome I still have a picture in my room of me and me and Shaquille O'Neal that was a big that was a big one that was probably the biggest one and I would say. Uh, some other ones, I mean, like, a lot of New York guys, obviously, New York guys who know him, too, so uh, all the broadcasters mm-hmm. are all all great guys. I've, I've met a lot of those guys. And then as for athletes, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, Vince Carter was a big one. That one came out of nowhere. We were at the finals. It was game three in 2017. Uh, it was the game Durant hit that shot over LeBron uh, when they were up, like, one or 2, 99 something like that, and that was a big one, right. and we, that whole day, we went to some sort of thing, and we, Vince Carter randomly came on air too that he like came out of nowhere we were doing we were doing the show in like a bar and Vince Carter comes out of nowhere that was a cool one because that just kind of came out of nowhere and I met Scotty Pippen that day uh uh I think Dikembe Mutombo was there I could be wrong um Kiki Vandeweghe was was a cool one that was he was there too we met a lot of guys at the finals that was that was that was interesting uh yeah I mean like I mean like sometimes we meet people on the field but that's not really because of him like the Vince Carter and the Shaquille O'Neal's; those are really because of him. Like sometimes we meet people at sporting events, but I don't know if that has any sway with who he is. But those are those are always cool to me. The athletes, especially; those are cool to me.
0: Any any celebrities, uh, any people that you've met at Siri, You know, since he's been at Sirius that you've been into, like fellow hosts or anybody like? Oh, that? sure. Like yes,
1: I mean, I I mean I wouldn't say like fellow hosts, but I mean all the Mad Dog Radio guys I know, um, but. It's one of those things that's like, uh, I mean, like Sirius is so big and it's so expansive and everybody kind of works on their own schedule, especially now, like and Sirius mm-hmm. kind of restructures all the time. But I mean, all the guys on, on Mad Dog Radio are the best. And um, I mean, as for other hosts, I haven't met many other hosts through um, Sirius and like through the different channels and everything, obviously, because that's just hard to keep track. People do Sirius in different locations, whatever. And uh, but I mean, as for the hosts, I haven't met a ton of them. I mean, all the Joe Radio guys are like, obviously, yeah. But the other guys, as for other channels, not really. No.
0: Gotcha. Uh, let's let's dig into you a little bit. Um, 18 years old. Birthday April the 18th. Going to the University of Wisconsin. Let's um let's Howard Stern it a little bit. <laughs> What's, 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 what's the love life looking like? Let's, let's start off first. What, when, when was, when was Colin Russo's first date? And, and, and what was your father's reaction when you told him that you had booked your
1: first date ever in your Well, I mean, the thing is like with me, especially my brother is more, my older brother is more of the serial dater type. He was, he going through high school, he, I think had him, had a girlfriend, for more time than he didn't, he, I think he was always fine, had a girlfriend or something like that, or some sort of girl that he was with. He was really the serial dater. He was the one. And he kind of sets an unrealistic standard. So like, as for me, when I haven't had many, many, I wouldn't say like, I haven't had any serious girlfriends. That's never been my, my thing. I don't know. I just doesn't click like that. And, um, but as for like, stuff. I mean, he's always, whenever he sees, meets a girl that he likes, that, like, a girl that I, I know that he likes, he's always berating me about it. He's like, what, what, what is this girl doing? What's that girl doing, huh? I'm like, Dad, like, take it easy. It's not like that. Just like, he's like, what's she doing tonight? What's she doing tonight? You, I'm, I, don't, I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Geez, Like, I'm just like, please, take it easy. And he does that all the time. He's always like, he didn't do it with my older brother. My older brother was the one who was always had a girlfriend. And he was... I uh, admittedly probably too wrapped up in it. And so me and him are different in that regard. And but he's always like, Oh, what's she doing tonight? What's she doing tonight? What's she doing tonight? What, what are you doing with her? Uh-huh, is anything going on? I'm like, no, no, no. Geez, take it easy, please. Just like slow down. Please. you don't need to do this. Like and he does that all the time. And he still does. I don't know why he's so wrapped up in it. And I think he just does it to annoy me, honestly. But that's it to hurt me on but uh he does that all the time and as like and when he meets him he's usually fine obviously he's like a normal person and but he always tries to um he what he does honestly is he shows people uh, like Laurel Canyon music he always shows people songs he likes it like we're in the car or something and then he like he always loves to show he's like do you like this song he's like we'll teach you something about music and I'm like oh geez. Oh, don't do this he does that all the time he he, he turns on a song and then he gets all into it and he's like, this is music, this is music. He's like, have you heard of the birds? Have you heard of Crosby, Sash and Young? <laughs> and like, Ever- most people say no because like, I don't know, we're 18 years old and most people say no. He's like, oh my God, oh, are you kidding me? Like one of those things. Uh, he always gets, he always quizzes people and sees how much they know about music. Some people <laughs> back to like, yeah, I know who the birds are. He's like, oh really? And he's like, what about this song? I mean, you know, this song is like, he goes, really, really, really gets into it. And I, I might freak some people out, but I think people know ahead of time that he's going to be like that. But I, that's what he does. He loves that. I don't know why he does it, but he loves it. So you mean, so you, mean you bring a girl home right after
0: or before a date or something? And well, they're just talking <laughs> to him. If it's like a normal
1: time, I wouldn't say like that, but I'm just saying like if he ever meets somebody, whether it's a girl or one of my friends or anybody really, he's like he always gets into the, He always gets into the – it doesn't even have to be, like, a girl that, like, I'm interested in or not. Or, like, maybe it's just a friend. He just does it with everybody. And he just, like, oh, if he's watching Laurel Canyon and I come in with a buddy or something, like, he always, like, sit down and watch this for 10 minutes. And then that 10 minutes turns into 20 minutes. And he's, like, do you like this song? Do you like that song? Do you like that song? Have you heard of this band? Have you seen this before? Have you heard of Woodstock? Uh, he gets in that all the time. He's like, do you know Springsteen? Do you know uh, Jackson Brown? You know, all these people. And he does that all the time. And that's, well, that's one of his favorite things. Probably doesn't too to annoy me, but it's funny.
0: That it's hilarious. I mean, I could just see oh, him course. just qu- yeah, quizzing. He's yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it, it, with the sports. Um, who is Super Bowl <laughs> MVP of Super Bowl five? Yeah, yeah. And he gets into the Lombardi talk. Don't even let him do that. He snowballs and it just doesn't stop the Lombardi talk or whatever he gets uh, into the, the, the 67 pack is when they, it is like one of those things, but yeah. don't let him get into that. He's that's that snowball effect in a long conversation that usually people do not want to have, but I mean, I'm fine with it. Cause I've heard it a hundred times, but I mean, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now when, 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 where, and how old were you when you had these two things, they
1: probably go hand in hand.
0: First girlfriend and uh, the first. Kiss. Like I said,
1: I wasn't. I haven't had a serious girlfriend. I've not. That's just not. Hasn't been my thing. Uh, it's just I don't know. And maybe I haven't found the one, quote unquote. But I mean, like, I'm kind of like him in that regard. Like, he is more wrapped up in sports and everything. I I would say I'm probably the same in that. I mean, I'm probably the same in that in that department. Uh, so I can't really answer that because I don't really know what qualifies, and um. First kiss, uh, I was I was in, I mean, I don't know if you count like elementary school. I wouldn't count that on it personally. I wouldn't right. count that, yeah. Elementary school, I wouldn't count. And then other than that, it was probably 8th or ninth grade. I can't really remember. It's not like, it, it wasn't like a big moment. I don't really remember. I would say it's probably 7th, 8th, or ninth grade. One of those years. I was like 12, 13, you know, like, or no, 14, something like that. One of those years of the forgettable puberty years, but yeah, one of those things. But I would say that was then. But (laughs) I mean, as for the girlfriend, I mean, that's just not been something that I have had a huge one or like a really serious one. So that hasn't really come to fruition yet. But I mean, yeah, that's really more my older brother's department. And I think seeing his experience growing up with how many girlfriends he has and how much it like kind of gets in the way, I would be like, yeah, I'd really have to find the right girl to get into that type of relationship, you know?
0: Right. I gotcha. Uh last one, then we get on to some other stuff as far as sports sure. and other things. <laughs> Funny. Uh who who's who's Colin Russo's celebrity crush? Ooh, hoo, hoo,
1: hoo. I don't think you could ever go wrong with Margot Robbie. I don't think you could ever go wrong with Margot.
0: Oh Wolf of Wall Street. Oh for Lord sure. Have yeah, mercy. absolutely.
1: I think she's just like she's gorgeous. And she's always been the one probably she's been she's been up there i would say margot robbie i think that's an easy one honestly i every time somebody asks that i'm like usually the first thought that comes in my head is margot robbie
0: wolf of wall street will stick in my mind till the day i die that's a fabulous answer uh now what when now you like me were a senior in high school when covid basically shut everything down how did the last how did that COVID shutdown scenario go for you personally, and how did your school handle uh, graduation? Yeah, no, it was
1: a mess. So I was actually in basketball season, so it kind of actually is a – this is a hitting a nerve of a memory. But uh, (laughs) so it was probably like, what, March 10th, something like that. So we just had the conference playoffs in basketball. We lost in the first round against the team that won it all. Uh, They beat us fair and square. They're a good team. Uh, We lost then, and then we had the state playoffs – and so in between the conference and state playoffs, the conference playoff championship happened on a Thursday. And state playoffs began the next Monday. So we, we heard about, like, coronavirus, like, hitting – I remember it hit the Bay Area, I believe, first. That was, like, a big deal. I believe on that Sunday. On that Sunday and Saturday, they were like, oh, COVID's now in uh, – it's in uh, the Bay Area. And it's kind of jumping around because I guess people, like, left Wuhan or whatever – and um so i remember that talking about that sunday and there was like whispers of like is the season gonna finish and obviously me i was optimistic about it i was like yeah this is not gonna i'm not worried about it like it's not gonna close down it's like i don't know he's really gonna get here that fast you know and then we had a game monday we Mm -hmm. won a close game first round of the playoffs and that was a good game it was a really fun game too i played well and that was a home playoff game my parents actually didn't go to that they were in antigua and so they didn't go to that. That was my. That turned out to be my last high school game ever. And um, so that yeah. was that Monday, Tuesday, during the school day. The the principal of the school and the athletic director sent an email wide to the school. I remember I was in class. It was in English class, and they sent an email and they're like, "Yeah, with the outbreak, oh, the outbreak of the coronavirus." I'm like, "What? Uh, we have decided to forego any athletic uh, competition for." the remainder of the winter season. So I was like, what? It was a very, it was very shot. I remember how shocked that was. I was in disbelief. And so that Tuesday we had like a team meeting and it was, we were supposed to play on the Wednesday. We were supposed to play a day later and it was supposed to be a big game against another team in our conference in the state playoffs. And our coach was confident that whoever won that game would move, go all the way to the state title. And we ended up not playing that game. And that was a really tough game because we played them earlier in the year. They beat us in a, in a gritty game. like, a, And that was very, very annoying to not have that game. And we, that was supposed to be Wednesday. So we ended up having a meeting about, like, yeah, like, this is unprecedented. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously me, I was like, can we just play, like, underground game? Can we have one of those? Like, I don't know, like, meet him at an outdoor court and just get a, settle it, like, figure out. But that never happened. And um, it was very, very, very disappointing to see that. And then school shut down that Wednesday school shut down that Wednesday There was talks about it. Cause I remember schools around us shut down before us and they finally didn't people. Obviously I'm sure you remember people in the beginning of it were like, yo, yeah, this is going to be a two week break. Uh, it's like a spring break yeah. and yeah. turns out it was a lot worse than that. So, I mean, that, that, that was a rough mm-hmm. one. I wish it would have waited another two weeks and we could finish out the basketball season. Granted, uh, in hindsight, you could kind of say like at least we had a season, we only missed potentially the last few games of the year. There are a lot of senior athletes now who haven't had their seasons at all. There's a lot of senior athletes. Uh-huh. I mean, first winter athletes now, all the guys who played with us last year, they're probably not going to have a season uh, for basketball too because it's an indoors for it. I don't know. And they're really tight about it. And that's disappointing. But, I mean, at least in hindsight, I did have something. But I would have killed to have that playoffs, the, the rest of it at least. At least go out and have some closure. But uh-huh. that didn't happen.
0: Now, did you have a graduation of some sort at all? I know with me personally, I had one. It was supposed to be on my birthday, Friday the 29th Ah. of May, and then they pushed it back. Yeah, and then they pushed it back to the Timonium Fairgrounds. Marylanders listening know what what I'm talking about. It was moved to that location, and they pushed it back till Friday, July 31st. So I actually had a graduation. Uh, you know, the whole ordeal and everything else. And that's how I got in contact. You know, your dad ended up calling me the next day and everything else. But did you? Did your school give you some sort of a graduation ceremony? Uh, yes well, or no?
1: Connecticut as a state was very, very tight about how and very restrictive in terms of how they handled the coronavirus. So, I mean, the school was trying to handle something. As for a graduation, I was not confident that we were going to have one going into it. And the school wasn't either, based on what teachers were saying and this and that. And because um, they really had no confidence that we'd end up going back to school. I remember they announced that school was going to be all remote for the remainder of the year, like I think in the beginning of May. And I remember and what they ended up doing is on June uh, 17th, which is, I believe, a Monday, uh, we had a drive by. So what we did is everybody decorates their cars, you know, gets in their cap and gowns. I mean, we all line up at the mm-hmm. school parking lot and we kind of go through town. They close it off. A lot of people were lining up on the roads. It was very well done. It was a lot faster than a normal graduation. It wasn't four hours. It was nice out. It was like 75, sunny. It was a perfect day. Everybody was in their own cars. You got to see all your buddies, all the people you haven't seen in months. Uh, That was cool. Everybody was still talking to each other and saying Mm -hmm. hello, and there was no outbreak from it. And everybody, we did a drive-by. It was probably a mile or two of the route. Everybody was saying hello. Teachers, this, that. Everybody was like, staying on the side of the roads like signs waving it was awesome that was really fun but a graduation in terms of getting my diploma i ended up just going to the school and picking up my diploma at a a reserve time like one-on-one with principal we talked at a distance and that was really the extent of it so that was really disappointing but i mean as for the drive-by i thought the drive-by was an awesome idea and i thought it worked really well
0: gotcha um, that just sucks, man. It's hearing to see that you didn't have that, you know, that moment of it's some it's something that you never forget, but I wish yeah, you sure. could've experienced because uh and I know with me, July thirty first was a night <laughs> I will never forget. And and my audience is laughing and knowing what I'm talking about because I don't know if you know, but uh one of my at least hope future love interests is uh Liv Cowherd. <laughs> And uh, your boy slid into her DMs that night, and uh, she did not disappoint. I believe ah, okay. it at that. You, you, you ended up going to the University of Wisconsin uh, and got there, of course, this past August. And you actually got, inf- got sick with mm-hmm. coronavirus. Take the, au- take the audience through that experience, catching, the, you know, catching the virus, being sick yeah. with the virus and the whole... Uh, episode that was being with that was you being sick while at the University of Wisconsin in your first semester. Yeah, so I mean, in,
1: in late August, mid August, everybody was starting to go to schools, and you hear about like the big outbreaks at these big schools because Wisconsin was going to school late August, about August thirtieth. And you're like in the mid August, mm-hmm. you hear like Alabama has a like, two thousand cases in a week. This has four thousand cases in a week. Notre Dame shut down. My sister was at Notre Dame. She went early. And they shut down pretty early on. I didn't think that Wisconsin was going to end up going to school. I was not confident that – I was confident that they were going to go all remote because that's what Michigan State did. And I thought we were going to follow in their steps, but we didn't. And so they had about a seven-day period where they spread out kids moving in. So kids moved in uh, like Tuesday – I think it was – or Monday or Tuesday, the 23rd and 24th of August. And I – they scheduled it. And you don't get scheduled; They set a time for you. And I was moving in the 30th which was a Monday at 5.30 p.m. I was the last group of kids. I was probably the la- the, in a dormitory, uh, a dorm room of 1,300 kids. I was probably one of the last 15 to actually move in. So I was really late to the party. My roommate's been there for three, mo- three months. I mean, uh, three days, excuse me. And um, so everybody kind of really was out there. And obviously, uh, as any college student would know, a lot of coronavirus social distancing did not go on at these schools. And uh, it was not really the utmost priority to keep social distancing. But uh, – and then, I mean, that just makes sense because like, you can't just stick 1,300 kids in a dorm room and expect them not to sh- spread a virus. So I moved in that Monday. classes mm-hmm. started that Wednesday. So I moved in that Monday in the evening. Uh, I mean, I, I, I you met some people. Like, it was difficult. But, I mean, it was fun. Then that Friday morning, that Friday morning, uh, which was – September, I don't know, second or third. Uh, that Friday morning, my roommate tested positive for COVID. And by university rules, if you test positive, you get sent into a separate dorm room, which is like a, a sick dorm room, which basically you can just you and a ton of kids that are sick just are in a dorm for uh, 10 days, 10 days. And it's kind of fun because you can like jump around, you can see other people. And as for me, I was exposed and exposed is different. They stick you in a hotel. So I was stuck. And a Holiday Inn, and the exposure is fourteen days instead of ten, so for a longer amount of time. So that Friday, my third or fourth day at school, uh, I get sent into a Holiday Inn, and that Sunday it was Labor Day weekend. That Sunday, uh, I started developing a fever, and there was no there was no football. And it was basketball. And basketball was all right, but I mean, like I was just in a hotel, and I developed a fever. And on that Sunday night, I had a one oh four. I was a 104. I had every symptom in the book. Mm. I didn't lose my sense of smell or taste, though. That was the one thing. I'm glad I didn't. But that mo- Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, Monday, I had a 105 at one point. And I, it's funny because I called the university health services, like the, the, the group that's like the people you have to keep in contact with, and I called them on Sunday night or Monday too, and they're close because it's Labor Day weekend. And apparently, um, there's nobody that could help you on Labor Day weekend. So I leave a message and a nurse, like, literally, a nurse literally called me back. She's like, You have a 104, 105? I'm like, Yes. What do you want me to do? And she's like, Well, and she's like, You have uh, Tylenol, everything you need. I'm like, Yeah. So it's fine. And she's like, Keep checking your temperature. She's like, If you, she literally told me, She's like, If you have trouble breathing, go to a hospital. I'm like, uh, Okay. I'll just self diagnose my breathing issues. And so, I mean, that was <laughs> very, very strange. And they basically like left me on my own. I was in a hotel for 10 days after about four, Three or four days, five days, uh, the fever subsided. Thankfully, I was okay. But, I mean, it kind of hit me like a truck. COVID hit me like a truck, and it was the first day of school. I was not happy about it. And then the school ended up shutting down while I was in quarantine, as for, like, they did, like, a two-week shutdown. And so Mm -hmm. by the time I got out of quarantine, Mm -hmm. like, 14 – I was a 15-day – a 14-day quarantine. And after I got out on the 14th day, they, uh, they – I went back to my dorm. My dorm was on lockdown. So nobody was there. Everybody could leave. So I just went home for a week or uh, for eight, seven, eight days. So that was mu- mighty worth it, honestly, because like I'm not going from one quarantine to another. That was a mess. What a disaster. And then after that, after the school opened up again, the cases never really got that bad again. Kids were fine. And I already had it. So that immunity, I think, is still there. I mean, I tested for antibodies, positive for antibodies before I came home, too. So I still have them. And that's I think that makes the world of a difference. I think if you've had it and you're a college student, I think having that immunity is huge. Uh, would I do it again to get that immunity? Maybe I probably would have to think it. I, saying that now is easier. In the moment, I was I was a mess, but uh, it was it was a, it was a problem for a couple of days. But I got over it. I mean, I lost that 13 pounds too. So it kind of hit, hit me like a truck. Yeah, it did. It really did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and the and the food was fantastic, Michelin oh, star course. award I mean, winning, like the food, right? They
1: give you one bag, a little grocery bag, once a day at five p.m. I remember they usually did it about five ten to five fifteen, and they drop it off, they knock it on your door, they leave it there. I didn't see a person, and but they give you a hot dinner meal, which was usually horrible. Uh, they usually just gave you the same thing of like uh, some maybe some mashed potatoes if you're lucky. bacon, and egg and cheese, porridge one day, very, very fantastic effort by the hotel. And each day, I I think the food got worse and worse because more kids started (laughs) coming into the hotel and I think the hotel just like got lazy and lazier and lazier. The food was horrible. Uh, Not happy about it. It was really, really, really gross. And uh, most days I was like, yeah, I don't know if I could eat this, but lunches were pretty good. The Lunches usually give you a sandwich or something. That was usually solid. And the the dinner and the uh, the breakfast were not nothing, nothing, nothing to brag over. So the hotel should really be ashamed of their effort in that department. I really think they really dropped the ball, and I was not happy about it. So I mean, it, it's disgusting, disgusting, disgusting effort. But what are you going to do? Uh,
0: so <laughs> it's a shame that you had to go through that, man. I mean. It, it,
1: you know yeah, yeah, that I, virus for you. Everybody like, says me. like, oh, there's survival rate. And I'm like, well, I'm a relatively healthy person. And I, it hit me like a truck. So I think it's really a lottery on how much you get hit by it. Granted, I usually have that luck of just getting hit with sicknesses or injuries bad. I think I have that type of luck. But I'm just saying, like, that I to this day, though, I haven't met anybody my age who has had it that bad as I have. So I haven't met anybody who had the type of symptoms. I probably met a couple hundred kids that had it that have had it and none of them as bad as I did. Most of them lose their sense of smell and taste though. I didn't. So I'm glad I didn't. Cause would have, it would have killed my appetite, but what are you gonna do.
0: Right. Um, now you went on the air on your dad's show on Monday afternoon. So we're bringing it, sure. circling back the wagons back home to sports. You went on your dad's show Monday afternoon is in the opening segment, opening monologue. Because you were just absolutely just pissed off at the fact that the Jets and Greg Williams called a cover zero all-out blitz, putting Henry Ruggs, the Raiders' wide receiver, matched up one-on-one against Lamar Jackson, not the quarterback for the Ravens, but the undrafted Mm cornerback out of University of Nebraska. Give the audience essentially what went through your – first of all, whose idea was it for you to – to, to be on the show, whose idea was that at first, and give the audience a play-by-play of essentially what went through your mind. Yeah, as for going that, on, uh, I mean, it was Sunday my afternoon. dad
1: offered me to go on. I, he knew that I, I had some, uh, some issues with how the game went down and how the, the coaching decisions went through, and he knew that I probably had some thoughts on it, and I wanted to air some of it out. So he offered. He's like, yeah, hey, you want to come on earlier in the show? I'm like, yes, absolutely. Didn't even think twice about it. Uh, and he asked me that on Monday morning. And I mean, as for the, the game itself, because like I was thinking, I, like I said on there, like I was going into it. I'm like, this is the game if you're the Jets. The Jets, I don't think have a winnable game on the rest of their schedule. They have on the road, Seattle. I I cannot get behind that. But I'm like the Raiders coming off a terrible loss. They don't have a couple players. I'm like, this is the game if you want, if you're the Jets. And... Thankfully, the Jets played hard. I mean, they, they're, they're, they're playing with some stones, and they're playing pretty tough defense for the entirety of the game. And then this last, this fourth quarter comes in, and oh, my goodness, just thinking about it, they had a couple fourth down conversions, third down conversions. Uh, they had holding penalties. Marcus May had two holding penalties on that last drive. And then they finally get all the way down to the red zone. I, it was 28-24, and I was thinking, I'm like, just get a stop, Just get us, please. I didn't I didn't think they would. And they finally get that stop. At, it was such a dramatic ending. I mean, for anybody who watched it, it was a very, very dramatic game, especially if you have as much interest in it as I do. I mean, if you're a Jet fan, you want to lose. But if you're a Jags fan, you want them to win in the worst way because I, I personally want Lawrence. And uh, I want Lawrence a lot more than Fields. And so I'm watching it. It's 28-24, and Card doesn't convert that fourth. I mean, he does convert that fourth and three for a touchdown, but they call it an offensive and defensive holding an offset to play. So I was like, okay, 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 this is – this is all right. I mean, I'll I'll deal with that. I thought it was going to be an offensive holding plane, but it was offsetting penalties. And finally, I mean, jeez, <laughs> oh, and that that they finally get that stop. They have a minute and like thirty seconds left. I'm like, just one first down. I think I believe they had two timeouts. So I just this is it. And they quickly punt, and it was a good punt too. And I don't know, I don't know, Greg Williams, what are you doing, dude? And he. he he gives up an easy completion. I'm like, all right, yeah, you're just playing off a little bit. And then finally, it he sends house. I'm like, why? Wh- why? It doesn't make any sense to me because it's Derek Carr. They have a good offensive line. I was thinking they'd give him enough time. They have a lot of deep threats on that team. Nelson Aguilar is pretty good going deep. Henry Ruggs obviously is one of the fastest players in the league. He's good going deep. And Darren Waller has 200 yards. So I'm thinking, I'm like, they have threats through the air. So – if you're Greg Williams, what is the problem? They had this, they were down 4-2. You have to score a touchdown to win the game. There's six seconds left. Keep every, As a defense, why don't you keep everything in front of you and focus on the tackle? I don't get it. And it's one of those things where, like, he just – I saw immediately when it happened. I saw the two linebackers come in, and I saw that last one. I guess he was spying on uh, the tight end to make sure the tight end wasn't uh, jumping out of the pocket, or he was spying car. I'm pretty sure it was a tight end. And then after he saw the tight end was blocking, he blitzed too. There was eight guys going at him, Jai. Eight, 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 three eight. Three in coverage on a hard <laughs> on a hard secondary too. Lamar Jackson's in the game. He's, I mean, like obviously he might he's might be a solid player. He's playing. I don't know. You can't judge him off that play. It's not really his fault. I mean, the, the guy's four two seven. What do you what do you what do you want to do? It's one on one coverage. What do you what are you going to do? I mean, I personally he shouldn't have bit on the double move. But I mean, I'm not going to tell him how to play his position. And here you are, and Craig Williams sends the house and Derek Carr me a beautiful throw. It was a beautiful throw. It really was. It was moving forward. It was right above him. He gave him space to run underneath it. It was a great throw. I can't, I can't, I can't like get in cars. I mean, what do you gonna do? And Carr to- said after the game, he's like, "Oh, the second I saw the whole house was coming at me, he's like, I was happy. He was happy that, like, if you're a defensive play caller and you're making the opposing quarterback happy with your calls, then." It, you're clearly doing something wrong. And people can talk all they want about like, oh, the Jets wanted to lose purposely, mm-hmm. did it on purpose. Well, the guy lost his job because of it. Do you, do you think he really... The players and the coaches do not want to go 0-16. The franchise maybe does. The front office maybe does. And the fans definitely do. But the players and the coaches, it's an embarrassing thing in the NFL. There's only two other teams that have went 0-16. They don't want to lose. They don't want to do that. They are not thinking that far ahead. The quarterback's not thinking that far ahead. The coaches are like, we lose our jobs if we go 0-16. They're not trying to lose on purpose. They're not trying to lose. So any sort of notion that the Jets did that purposely, right. and the Jets are like, "Oh, let's just blow the game," it seems purposeful the way they played and the way they they organized it. But maybe it was just incompetent coaching. I don't think it was really. Oh, let's try to lose. Greg Williams didn't last with the job for another twenty-four hours. He didn't. He didn't last another twenty-four hours with the franchise. In case it is a time bomb. Do you Do you think they really care about losing so they could get Trevor Lawrence for somebody else, for another coach? Really? And I can't really – I can't mm-hmm. get behind any sort of, like, losing purpose. I mean, sure, you could think about it and it looked on purpose, but it wasn't. <laughs> the franchise probably had a, a sigh of relief, maybe the front office and all those people. But, I mean, those guys, are, you don't know if they're going to stay either. The owner probably did. I mean, they, they probably were like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it. And But <laughs> like, what a disastrous – what a disastrous game. And I was so, so set on – The Jets are winning this game, and the Jags are going to get this pick. Because I was not worried about the Jags winning that game. I mean, I know they were competing, but, I mean, I thought the Jags were going to figure out. They Glenn. Glenn had, like, three turnovers. Oh, he was terrible. And I didn't really think they'd be able to do it. I'm like, whoever, if the Vikings get the ball in OT, I don't think the Jaguars are going to be able to stop them. But who knows? And I wasn't really thinking that far ahead. I'm thinking, let's just get this first pick. Because the Jags have a far worse strength than schedule, and the tiebreaker with how it works in the draft is if you have a worse strength to schedule and the same record. You're essentially losing the worst teams. So the Jaguars would have that first pick and the jets strength schedule. I think is like, I don't know how they do it, but it's, it's, it's a good few points, uh, percentage points ahead of the, uh, higher than Jacksonville. So, I mean, so they're playing harder teams and losing. So essentially they, they don't get the first pick and I thought that was going to be it. And I, I mean, the Jags for the rest of the year, they have, Right. They have the Titans, they have the, uh, the Ravens, they have the Bears, and they have the Colts. The Bears game makes me nervous. I do think the Colts are going to be playing for uh, a seeding position or the playoffs for that matter. So I do think the Colts are going to try to play hard. And, um, and the Bears, I mean, makes me nervous. But I think hopefully they'll figure out a way to lose that one. But it's one of those things where I, as a Jags fan... Some people are content with getting fields. I don't trust the Ohio State quarterback. I don't. I watched against Indiana. He was very strange against Indiana. But he's also the pro-typical, uh, the, the new era of the quarterback. He can move. He's not too tall. They don't really like that tall guys anymore. I mean, Herbert's a, a, a standard guy. But I'm talking about, like, the, the Murrays and the Mahomes the can move around and Russell Wilson and all those guys. They like those mid-sized guys. I mean, those guys are short. But I'm talking, like, the guys who can move around in the pocket, dual threat, big arm willing to stretch the field, but they usually their okay. legs too. And it just adds another dimension to the offense. I'm fine with that. If we get the right play caller who knows what he's doing, I don't know if Jay Gruden can do that. Um, who's the offensive coordinator currently for the Jaguars. I'm not sure if he'll be able to draw up enough plays to get uh, Fields to use his feet a little bit to maybe work it out. Cause I think you got enough offensive. I think you got plenty of offensive pieces. I think the Jaguars are honestly in pretty good shape offensively. I do think they're a pretty good one and uh they're pretty good for a one win team. I think they the roster-wise they're playing hard and they're losing close games as of late and they're playing hard right now. So and there're a ton of young talent, so I do think it's really the quarterback. And I I think Lawrence, I've watched 25 30 Lawrence games and ever since he was a freshman and sure like early on in his career he like had problem with touch and everything. But, I mean, he's the guy. And I think he's much more of a safe bet than Fields is. But, I mean, that's why I was, I was so bothered by it. People are like, why are you so bothered by it? You're still going to get one of the top three picks. I'm like, I, I have Lawrence a good, a good head ahead of, a head of um, Justin Fields. I think he's a good step up. And, I, I mean, it's very, very bothersome. It ruined my day. And I went on a long walk after that game. I didn't, I didn't touch the 4 o'clock games. And I just had to get my head right, but that was a that was a disastrous, disastrous Sunday. Hopefully, maybe the Jets figure it out. Maybe they figure it out. I mean, they got the Rams, they got Seattle, they got the Patriots last game of the year. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I really don't think they have will do it. But I mean, who knows? Who knows? Maybe we get lucky. Maybe they play hard one day, one one week, and we could get Lawrence. But I mean, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Very, very bothersome Jack. Very bothersome.
0: <laughs> yeah. I- I mean, I'm sitting up here listening to you rant and rave on hold and I am just in tears laughing because I'm like, if this isn't what Mad Dog sounded like at eighteen years old, I don't know what is. I mean, I sw- outside of the outside of the, the 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 unique voice that your dad has, you sound just like it with the mannerisms it was it, it was as he likes to call it, championship radio. Um, now, how do you, now you mentioned earlier in the interview and then I'll get to the NF and then I'll get to two things in the NFL and then we'll wrap this puppy up. Uh, now you said earlier in the, earlier in the segment that you don't watch the NFL together with your dad, like you do all the other sports. What do you, do you watch the, do you watch red zone or you, does, cause I think you all, he's hinted this yes, on yes. Air, that you all have direct tv the sunday ticket so what's, well, the, so is, what's the scenario uh, when it comes year, to nfl I mean, sundays now, I mean, with you I all i
1: still do it but i i like that i bounce around more often than i did usually in the one o'clock slate he likes to have that whole nfl mix on like the eight boxes and all the all the games on and as for me i usually just watch the jags and i'll and i'll jump back and forth over commercial and i'll watch the jags game and i'll jump back and forth based on the mix or the nfl mix or the red zone if i'm keeping track of fantasy or whatever. But uh, I think – I usually watch the Jacks, so that's why I watch it in a separate spot. And honestly, like, he's got his own bets. Sometimes he bets against Jacksonville, so I sometimes can't get into that. And um, when he bets against Jacksonville, he makes sure he tells me. <laughs> and he – we kind of watch this Oh game. yeah. I think we, like, watch different things. I think once the 4 o'clock games hit and the night game, we watch that together, but for the 1 o'clock slate, uh, we kind of sp- – Split up a little bit Because I I will jump back to the mix But I like watching the Jags Usually This year I watch what I'm interested in I will, Whether watch uh, Whether Like last week It was the Jets Or I'll turn on the mix Or I'll turn on the red zone I kind of bounce around More than he does He kind of keeps that on And just sees all of them But uh, I usually I usually turn on the Jags That's why we kind of Split up in that department And then once Jags always play at one o'clock So I mean Once, uh, once that one o'clock slate's done And it's four o'clock games We sometimes we Usually watch that together
0: Right. Uh, week 13, week 14. Week 14, you got uh, important games. You have the Ravens and the Browns. That Browns are still in play for the division because if – The Steelers lose to Buffalo and Cleveland beats the Ravens on Monday night. They are still very much in play for the division. But if Cleveland loses on Monday night and the Steelers beat Buffalo on the road, they're pretty much uh, finished for the division. Plus, Baltimore is looking, you know, had an impressive win on Tuesday night. I think Baltimore's going to get themselves uh, together and back on track in their winning ways. I think they're going to make the playoffs as a wild card team. You got that interesting game. Also, you have the Raiders and the Colts. Colts trying to win the division, and the Raiders trying to make it as a wild card as well. And then, of course, you have Kansas City and the Dolphins. The Dolphins still sure. trying. you know, They're in the wild card hunt as well. And Kansas City's still trying to yeah. chase down Pittsburgh for the number one seed in the, in the AFC. What game or games well, I mean, in like Week the, 14 like the in National said, Football those, League the have your getting really eye heading tight.
1: into tomorrow? Uh, I do think uh, that, that Buffalo-Steeler game is going to be very, very interesting. Uh, I'm very interested in the NFC East. I think that giant, that giant Cardinal game in the Washington uh, Niner game It'll be two interesting games because, I mean, I, I'm kind of into that. I mean, it's kind of – they're gritty teams, but they're, they're going to get a home game. So it's like it kind of means a lot. And that's like a – and if you're a playoff team and you have to, like, go to the Giants or something like that, I think that's a trap game. Like, those teams have nothing to lose. And they they, uh, they play hard, and they both have good defenses, and they play with a lot of heart. And I think that's very dangerous. It's hard to win a road game in the playoffs too. So I think the NFC East is very interesting. I'll be keeping track of the Giants and the, and the, and the Washington football team. And as for as for the AFC, I mean, I think that Dolphin game is interesting. I do think Kansas City will beat them, but I think the Dolphins are the type of team that could probably keep everything in front of them for the against the Chiefs because I think the Chiefs struggled last week and Denver plays in tough, and so does the their divisional opponents play usually play Kansas City tough. I think they use a lot of zone, and I don't know how good Mahomes really is against zone. He excels against men, obviously, because of the speed they have and the arm he has. And then I think. Um, I think the Dolphins are going to run a lot of zone, Mm -hmm. and I think they got a a lot of corners. I mean, I like—I don't think they want to have, uh, Xavier Howard and uh, and all the all the guys that they got in the corners to keep up with those guys. That's just a game you're going to lose, and uh, they're going to play with some heart too. Because I mean, I think they play very hard for Flores. I think those those Pats guys. I mean, Joe Judge and Flores have really, really gotten the most out of their rosters. Uh, I, I even think the Dolphins roster is still pretty flawed but they're play hard for him and that's really what it is and he did the same thing last year he's getting the most out of his roster because they play hard they play together they have a good game plan and they're always ready to go on defense and I think that's a that's a good game I do think Kansas City will win that game and the Giants I don't think the Giants will have that same magic again but they're gonna be they're gonna be home uh, the Cardinals I think are a flawed team I still, I think the Cardinals are starting to sense that like the NFC West is maybe getting ahead of them a little bit but uh who knows and i mean those other games are are interesting i think they the Saints are going to keep trying to play ahead i do think buffalo it's going to win i'm i'm a fan of buffalo i think buffalo plays with some with a lot of heart too and i think allen's a dangerous quarterback i mean you don't really know what you're going to get but i mean you saw on on monday night i mean he was he was electric he was so good and he's one of those guys yeah he's one of those guys where he's going to he very good quarterback. five yards, like four touchdowns, easy, uh, one on his legs. And then he comes out the next week and he gets 140 yards, uh, two interceptions, and three fumbles. Like That's the type of Josh Allen. That's like the Josh Allen card you're going to get. Uh, I, d- I do think he's going to play well. They're going to be home. They're going to have a lot of juice. They need to stay ahead of Miami. Uh, I think if they lose this game, Miami's in, uh, Miami's going to be playing a lot of hard. I do think Miami's going to lose those. But if they win, then that makes that uh, AFC East very interesting. And then, uh, I mean, as for the other games, that Colts Raiders game, uh, that's I think that's the type of game that the Raiders. They got that win behind them. They luck, they lucked out on that win. They lucked out on that win last week, and I think they're gonna play hard. I do think the Colts uh, on the road may be a little maybe a little sketchy, but the the Raiders uh, maybe a little healthier. Uh, they, Gruden's done a good job. Done. Uh, they're playing for their season essentially. They can't really like mess up any time now, and. Um, Hopefully, the I think the I mean the Buccaneers, I think, will be interesting. Because that's a team, like, they're going to be a lower seed. But, I mean, that's the type of team that will play in that, uh, in that like, let's say, they play that NFC East opponent. Like, that's going to be an interesting team to watch. Because I think they're going to get better as the year goes mm-hmm. on. I do think they have a lot of issues. I think a lot of it stems from coaching. I think people bashing Tom Brady a little too much. I, uh, Brady's 43 years old. Obviously, he's regressing a little bit. But I think a lot of his coaching, I think they have way too much talent and they're not using the right schemes, right? Uh, and they're not really playing into Brady's strengths. I think Aaron threw Brady into a completely different offense. Right. And it's going to take Brady. I think Brady's going might eventually figure it out. But, I mean, like Romo was saying, Romo was obviously during that Kansas City-Tampa Bay game was obviously ridiculously all over Tom Brady and defending him a step of the way. And I do think that was annoying. But he did say one thing. He said mm-hmm. this Buccaneers team uses almost no pre-snap motion. Uh, they don't really um, change it up offensively. They're a very vertical-oriented team. And that's like the Jameis Winston offense. That's not necessarily the Tom Brady offense. The Tom Brady offense is a lot of pre-snap motion, a lot of misdirection, a lot of stuff to get get sneaks of what the defense is running. And they don't do that with the, with the Buccaneers. He said they were a very post-snap figuring out the defense team. And that's not really what Brady did. So I think... The, I think that week off will help. They're an old team, veteran team. They know how to really take advantage of the bye weeks. They have a very, they had a very late bye. so I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to dominate them tomorrow, the Vikings, uh, and I think that's an interesting team to watch. You got to watch them going to the playoffs. That's just a dangerous team. They got too much talent. Uh, and their defense is really fast, but I mean that, that week's that this slate this week should be very, very interesting. I'm, I'm excited to watch a lot of these teams. I think the rest of the way, the play, uh, the NFL is going to be very, very good, especially with the extended playoffs. you got a lot more teams playing for spots. Uh, I think the team, the NFL is kind of like slashed in terms of you got the really bad teams. Uh, I know your Bengals, my Jags. Uh, the, the jets, you got a lot of teams that are just out of it and then you got a lot huh. of teams that are just into it cuz you get like a good 16 17 teams that are trying to play for those 14 spots. I think that's that, that's very interesting how it's going to play out especially with seeding too. There's only one bye. That means those top teams are going to be playing harder than they were before than they would in a normal year. So, it should be it should be interesting. I'm excited for it. it should be a good day.
0: Me too. Looking forward to it. Best day out of the best day for twenty something weeks is is those Sundays during the football season. I'm all over it. Uh, who do, and last thing, uh, last thing, and Colin, you've done an excellent job, and thank you. Who do you think is the best team in the NFL? Yeah, I know there's a lot of talk about after as the minute? team. We'll
1: start with the team. Uh, there's a lot of. I mean, everybody has said that the Steelers are one of the more overrated. Uh, they were when they were 11-0 and everything, they were the, one of the more overrated, like, 12-0, 11-0 uh, uh, teams you could find. And I completely agree with that. I don't think they really dominated teams. I think they got lucky in a lot of games. Uh, but Tomlin's a great coach. So, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say they're in bad shape. They have, As I was saying with the Steelers, I mean, like, that's the type of team they got a lot – They top to bottom. They got, a, like, a very balanced roster. Tomlin's a very, very, very good coach. He's not talked about enough. Uh, I mean, the fact that he's never had a losing season—it's very, very impressive. And they got a lot of guys experience. They got experience with Roethlisberger, obviously, but they got a lot of young guys on that offense. You don't really know how they're going to perform in the playoffs. And they haven't been able to run the ball at all. Their 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 offense is really stagnant, but the defense is great. So if the defense is there, then the defense defense travels. I mean, those those guys can. Those guys can uh, probably be competitive, but I mean, that's for the best team, I definitely think it's Kansas City. Uh, I think they got by far the most talent on offense. I think their defense plays aggressive. Their offense allows them to because Mahomes can score three or four touchdowns in, in a nine minute span like he did all last mm-hmm. year. They, they didn't even start hot at all and they didn't need to. They, I mean, they're down like 24-0 to the Texans. They were down every single game of the way and they just came back and won. And, uh that just goes to show. I mean, they have that experience. They have experience. They have a coach who, who is experienced. I mean who's experienced in the playoffs. He's won big games, has been there. I think that means a lot. Uh their de- their defense is better than what it was. It's better than what it's what we're used to with Kansas City. Uh they play with a lot of they play with a lot of aggra- they play very aggressive. They play very hard. Um and I think that, that plays into their hands and I think really when they see a team like New Orleans, we've been hearing year in and year out, oh, New Orleans got the most balanced roster. We hear this for three or four years. They got Drew Brees, they got Alvin Kamara, they got Michael Thomas. They got talent all over the place. They got a great offensive line. Uh, but I mean, you don't really know, first of all, you don't know with Brees' health. Uh, and it's weird because, I mean, the Saints every single year, we see them just like, diminish in the playoffs. I mean, they get better as the year goes on. They're every year. Yeah. The year goes on, they're better. They're a week 14 team. They're not a week two team. Uh, they're, Obviously gonna to get to the playoffs. they're gonna have probably gonna have that bye. And they're dangerous because they got such a good defense. Their defense is probably better than it's been. Uh any any of the past few years. Uh and they could get they could get after the quarterback. They got a lot of that. Marion Davis is very good. They got a good secondary. But honestly, like I, I mean that that would be a very good game if it's New Orleans and Kansas City. Uh I do think they'd beat a team like Green Bay, but you don't really know. Rodgers is playing great. Yeah. Uh and I definitely think it's Kansas City. I think Kansas City is ahead of, above everybody else. They score too fast. They, they win close games. They know how to win gritty. They know how to win in a dogfight. They know how to blow a team out. They do not know how to blow a lead. Uh, they're, they're one of those teams that, like, they get ahead, stay ahead. And uh, you like that in the playoffs. Uh, they're going to have a half home field for most of it. Uh, that's a hard place to win at. I mean, granted, without the home fans, this is going to be a very different playoffs. You don't really know how much the home field's going to happen in a normal right. year. The home field means everything. Having the fans, it's very hard to win a road game in the playoffs. But without the fans, I mean, like, you're going to have some fans. But, like, I don't know how much of a difference that makes. make. That would be very interesting to see. Um, I definitely think Kansas City is the team to beat. I think everybody knows Kansas City is the team to beat. They got the best. I think Mahomes is the best, the best uh, offensive talent in the league. Obviously, people say, like, Aaron Donald's best player. I think it's Mahomes. Um, and then as for the league MVP – uh, people have been saying Rodgers. Uh, you can go into the stats of it all. Rodgers is playing, I guess, with worse offense, but he's playing in a great system. LaFleur has made his job so much easier. He's kind of given like a little bit of Brady treatment without Brady ran his offense. There's a lot of plays, a lot of crossing routes, a lot of um, plays where the guys get open in space. And the system is really good in Green Bay. And they got good running backs. They They, they move around the running backs. Their defense is not that good which makes you nervous. That means Rodgers is going to have to show up every single game and you don't know if he will with that offense. Uh, Mm -hmm. But they got a lot of talent. Uh, They got a lot of top-end talent and then the rest of the guys are really just like scrappy guys. I mean, Lazard's pretty good. Uh, Valdez Scantling's a deep threat. I mean, they got guys. I wouldn't say it's a great, a great offense by any means, but Rodgers is playing some of his best football. I mean, granted, like, He's playing in the Brady system. And like everybody's talked about like what if Rodgers has been in the Brady system? Like this. This system is a lot like Brady. This is how the Patriots ran their offenses for a while. And this is how the that's how the Packers play. A lot of, a lot of short routes. Devontae Adams is obviously one of the better receivers in the league. That's gonna be an interesting game. Uh, Packers also were there last year. They might be motivated to get to that, to take that next step. They were terrible in that conference championship last year. Uh, but as for the league MVP, I mean, I think it's Mahomes. I think Mahomes is far and away playing the best football. I mean, a lot of I, – I, I'm pretty sure you're not a Mahomes fan. I know you always talk about how the ESPN and everything goes after Mahomes too much and gives them too much – It drives me Which crazy. is obviously true. Yeah, I'm sure it drives you up the wall. It drives a lot of people up the wall. I mean, Mahomes makes throws that Matthew Stafford makes, and Mahomes is on the front page of the, of the news, and Matthew Stafford's not even talked about. It. So I guess it's, that, it's very true. But that's how ESPN is. They love their golden boys. DK Metcalf. the next step in that golden boy process – um, but I think Mahomes is playing the best football. I do think he's playing better than Rogers. It's very close. Obviously, these last three weeks are going to decide that. Uh, I think Mahomes has some uh, big games to play in. I think Rogers will have some, definitely some big games to play in. I think that play the next three weeks will decide it. I think there will be a game defining game for either one of them, whether it's a bad game or a very good game that will decide the run. I don't think it's going to be that close. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, I don't know who's going to win. I think we're probably going to have an understanding by the time week 17 hits on who's going to win the MVP award. Uh, I think it's Mahomes currently. I mean, people talk about it. And, like, I mean, that's just, I mean, it was Russell Wilson through the first nine weeks, but that's what Russell Wilson does. Russell Wilson is like a nine game stretch quarterback. He does this like every year, whether it's the second half of the year or the first half of the year. He plays MVP caliber football for about eight, nine, ten games, and then he drops off. And that's kind of what he does a lot. He, I guess you could say they get figured out. He carries too much of a load on himself. I don't think any quarterback should do that. Uh, but, I mean, like, Rodgers is playing good with – great, I should say, with worse talent. But I definitely I can't look that far into it. I think Kansas City is a much better team. I think Kansas City is playing better. They've dominated teams at times. Um they got so much talent, oh, but I definitely think it's Mahomes. I think the last three weeks have decided, but if, if it was today, I'd probably choose Mahomes. Mahomes better right? better stats, and uh, uh, I mean, it's, I know Kansas City's had an easy schedule, and that's not talked about enough. People are talking about like the cake, uh, cupcake schedule the Steelers have had when Mahomes has had really just as easy of a schedule. I mean, they've beaten good teams, but they've played a lot of bad teams. And right. um so it should be interesting. I do think the last few weeks will decide it though. Right now I choose my home. and Kansas City is the best team.
0: Yeah. Uh Kansas City Kansas City is the best team. Uh and I think New Orleans is by far the best team in the NFC in the NFC. And yeah. My- Preseason Super Bowl pick, and they will still be my Super Bowl pick to make it in the NFC. Kansas City's the best team. Pittsburgh is fraudulent. I'd win. Shock me if Pittsburgh goes to the Super Bowl, but they're not the best team in the NFL. Yeah, and not yeah. not after not after that performance yeah. against Washington. But they're going to have
1: yeah. to they're going to have to beat Kansas City. So that's that's the toughest yeah. part. They're going to have to beat them, and I don't know if they can. They're going to have to keep up with them. That's the thing. They might be that maybe stop them for a little bit, but I mean. Mahomes in a playoff game, yeah, you can only stop so much. You're going to have to keep up with him. You're going to have to score some points. So right. We'll see what so, happens.
0: Something, something that offense has had issues, has had troubles in doing. Uh, and, with, and when it comes to Mahomes, I understand the stats. I, I get all that. But I look at it, it's not most outstanding. It's most valuable. Yeah, yeah. So, Mahomes – all due respect to him, he's got a bunch of all-pros on offense, sure. and he's got a coach that's going to go into the Hall of Fame is next to Belichick, one of the greatest coaches of, of his generation. Uh, Mahomes has that. Yeah, Matt LaFleur, no disrespect to him either. He's no Vince Lombardi. I would agree. And Aaron Rodgers isn't surrounded by Devontae B- Adams, Aaron Jones, but that's two guys. Mahomes has Hardman, Kelsey. Clyde Edwards lair out of LSU, Le'Veon Bell, and Le'Veon Bell for crying out loud, despite him not being yeah. what he was three years ago. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes has all of this time, and even I brought up the argument earlier, you know, in past episodes with Derrick Henry. You know, you take you take Derrick Henry off the Tennessee Titans. You you think Tennessee is 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 as playing for the division in the middle of December? If you take Derrick Henry off the team, not a chance in hell. Derek Henry by himself, like Mahomes has that power with the Chiefs team. Derek Henry has the same to take over a football game yep. and to enforce as well on the opposing defense. Great, but you you put you take Patrick Mahomes off. Uh, you know it, it was when Mahomes was out with the dislocated knee. It was like they crashed and burned. Matt
1: beats Green Bay. I remember. Yeah,
0: exactly. So if you can have if you have a competent quarterback and all the other pieces are still in place and Andy Reid and Eric me is still sitting there Chiefs don't get me wrong, aren't as great as they are with Mahomes, but they're not going to nosedive and stink up the joint. You take Derrick Henry off the Titans, the Titans, especially with that god-awful defense, that team does a complete 180 and are not under any circumstances in play for the AFC South in mid-December. And when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, you take him off the team. The Packers, with their spotty defense, and again, LaFleur is no Mike Holmgren or no Lombardi. Uh, it's, it, it could get ugly yeah. up in Green Bay. I don't but that, that's th- yeah. That's where I stand.
1: I don't it. disagree with that. I see that argument. That argument's brought up a lot. Rodgers is doing just as much, probably a little less than Mahomes, with less talent. And um, I think that's obviously something to consider. And as for Henry, I think Henry, for a, a, a running back to really get that – MVP nod, I think they'd really, really have to go above and beyond. I mean, you think about um, all the MVPs. I mean, like you think about Sean Alexander, what, in like 2005 or six. I mean, he had, what, 1,800 yards, something like that, like 20, 20-something touchdowns. You think about like – or something like LaDainian Thomas, he had 30 touchdowns. These these, guys, these running backs really have to go the extra mile to get that MVP nod. I don't disagree. He's one of the more valuable players in this league. And they are a completely different team without him because I think he's probably the most dangerous running back. I mean, people could talk about all the, the shifty guys, but I think that just power runner with that type of speed, I think that's very dangerous. And uh, it's uh, it's an interesting argument. I do think I don't think Mah- uh, the Chiefs are as good as people are saying without Mahomes. I know we've seen it, but that's also regular season. I think in a big game. When the Chiefs need him, you saw in the last year in the postseason, if the Chiefs have any other quarterback and they're down 24-0 to Houston, you do not come close to winning that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think in, in, in that type of situation, we understand that in a big game, I'd rather have Mahomes at the helm or Rod, than Rodgers, and that goes to your most outstanding versus most valuable. I think mm-hmm. uh, Mahomes' his arm talent is the reason that offense works so well, and I think his decision-making is so much better than what it was uh, I think Rodgers, I think that, that Packer team is uh, a, is interesting. I mean, I think they run a very interesting scheme with all these short routes. I mean, Rodgers this year has seven one-yard touchdowns, which is, I believe, the most national history. I mean, like, there's a lot of context to it all. I, mean, I guess that's fucking too far into it. But uh, the, the Packers have played well, though. I mean, I wouldn't <laughs> say can't. that's going to be a horrible team. I wouldn't say that would be a horrible team without them, uh, but they would not be what they are without with Rodgers. I think that's like, – like I said, I think there's going to be a, a – a race-defining game uh, uh, about the MVP. I think there's going to be a game this, in the next three or four weeks that will tell us everything we need to know. And whether it's Rogers having a bad game or Mahomes having a bad game, I think it will separate one or the other. I think they're very close right now. So it should be
0: interesting. Yes, it Well, Colin did a great job, man. Appreciate it. Oh, of course. I appreciate,
1: I appreciate you having me on. Anytime, man. A lot of fun.
0: Tell your dad and the family I said hello. Of course, of course. All right, right. you take care. We'll be back with the Amatelica T.I.S. podcast right after this. Welcome back to the Amatelica T.I.S. podcast. Thanks again for the great Colin Russo for coming on and joining me. Good to have him. Hopefully we'll hear from him and uh, his dad in future episodes. Always an open invitation. And hope you all enjoyed that spot that we had with the great Colin Russo. But you know what time it is. Last segment of the show before Football Sunday. League 14, the National Football League. It's pick time in a league where they play. Four. Pay. Game number one Tennessee at jacksonville tennessee favorite minus seven and a half i'll pick the jacksonville jaguars to win the game 31 17. dallas cowboys minus four andy dalton makes his first trip to cincinnati the year after cincinnati kicked him to the curb in favor of joe burrow would have been interesting to see joe burrow Uh, Had he not gotten hurt to see the dynamic between uh, Andy Dalton and a guy that took his job, so to speak. Cowboys' favorite minus four. Their season's over. But Andy Dalton, I know, is looking to get some revenge against his old squad and Zach Taylor. Give me the Cowboys to win the game, 28-24. Cardinals' favorite minus two and a half. Going up against the Giants in a pivotal game that Colin pointed out earlier in the show Giants need this game if they want to win a division give me the Giants 24-17 Houston favorite minus two going up against the Chicago Bears give me the Houston Texans 23-20 Denver Broncos going up against the Carolina Panthers in a rematch Super Bowl 50 Carolina favorite minus three and a half give me Carolina to win the game 27-17 Minnesota at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay coming off of a bye. Their favorite minus six and a half. if tb 12 and company can get back on track. Give me the Buccaneers 31-21. Kansas City Chiefs favored by a touchdown against the Miami Dolphins. Miami staying in the mix in the AFC wild card. While the Chiefs are chasing down Pittsburgh for the number one seed. Give me Kansas City to win the game by field goal. 27-24. Indianapolis Colts favored by a field goal. They need this game too with the division and wildcard hunt in the AFC South. Favorite minus three going up against the Las Vegas Raiders. Winning, beating the Jets by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin chin last week. Indianapolis favorite minus three. They'll win the game by 328-25. Jets at the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle, disappointing loss last time out at home against the Giants. Back-to-back New York teams at home. Seattle's favorite minus 13.5. we got to figure that they're going to steamroll over the Jets. Give me the Seahawks to win 35-3. Green Bay favorite minus 7.5. Going up against the Detroit Tigers. Give me the Packers to win 31-21. Atlanta favorite minus two and a half Going up against the Los Angeles Chargers Give me Atlanta to win the game 27-24 Saints favored by a touchdown against the Eagles Saints trying to improve their lead in the AFC Or excuse me, in the NFC as far as the number one seed is concerned With the Packers on their tail Meanwhile, Philadelphia starting Jalen Hurts Their season's over Give me the Saints 28-17 Washington going up against San Francisco. Washington, of course, knocked off the previously undefeated uh, Patriot—not Patriots—Pittsburgh Steelers. While the San Francisco 49ers favorite minus three got defeated by the Bills on Monday night. Give me Washington in an upset, 24 to 10. Pittsburgh going up against Buffalo. Buffalo favorite minus two and a half. Give me the Pittsburgh Steelers to win, 26-23. And Baltimore against Cleveland, favored by a point, giving Baltimore 24-21. to 21. That is your Week 14 picks in the league where they play for pay. This has been another episode of the Amatalk Italias podcast. Thank you all for listening. Follow your boy Jai Shields on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. The show at Amatelic underscore podcast. The show on Twitter at Amatelic underscore it T-I-S. It's your boy Jai Shields. Thanks for Colin Russo for coming on. Talk to y'all Wednesday. Enjoy the football. Y'all take care.